their season's going to end on a double doink. Hello and welcome back to Coming Up Winners. Happy New Year, everybody. This is our first podcast of 2019. I am your host, Jason McIntyre, joined as always by Andrew Lynch, recovering from a significant knee injury. Uh, how's the staff infection, Andrew? Woo! I'm feeling like Ric Flair this morning. Went 3-1 and one on the weekend. Um, got a great divisional round coming up. The knee will be fine. That'll heal, whatever. Everyone's playing through pain at this point in the season, yes. unless you're on your couch and didn't make the playoffs. But <laughs> this too shall pass. Let's go. I'm ready to gamble. I specifically did not bring up my record over the weekend. I noticed because, that. Holy cow. Your boy took a beating. I uh, I had a good Saturday, and Sunday was a complete and utter debacle. We're going to break down all four wildcard games, talk briefly about the look-ahead lines, but this is a two-podcast week for us. Thursday, we'll make our official picks. Um, we also will dive into Clemson, Alabama, the championship game tonight. Not a ton of buzz about it. Hopefully a good game. Uh, I don't know if we'll get as good of a game as Seahawks, Cowboys, or Bears-Eagles, Holy cow, those were great. Let's get to the wild card weekend. And let's start, Andrew, with Eagles 16, Bears 15. You're doing this because this is my one loss, right? You want to make me eat crow right of out course. the gate. I got and, you. I got you. Uh, you know, because I do digital videos for Fox. And, of course, they, they were like, Jason, let's pick a football bracket. I'm like, every game? They're like, yeah. I was like, all right. Give me the Bears over the Ravens in the Super Bowl. And uh, let's just say yes, folks. If you're listening to this, I got your Instagram DM. And yes, I saw your tweets. I mean, there's got to be thousands of them at this point, Lynch. I sent at least 30. Yeah, I, I definitely saw yours. I haven't muted you or blocked you yet. Uh, where to begin? Listen, I'm not going to sit here and kill Cody Parkey. Other guys can do that. He missed the kick. It may or may not have been tipped. By the way, your thoughts. You saw the video. Did it look tipped to you? It looked tipped to me. And in fact, what really drove home to me that it was tipped was the next gen stats and the player and ball tracking technology where to me you can pretty clearly see that the ball diverts from a straight oh, path i uh, had not yeah. seen that so I, I i'm buying that 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 was a tipped okay kick. that's a great lynch as always bringing great information so i'm not gonna kill cody parker we've taken shots at him on this podcast guy cost me money a couple times this year specifically that miami game he didn't cost me money that much money here i did have the bears on the money line with a cowboys parlay Obviously, that failed. Lynch, I've got to start with the Eagles' offensive line. I thought they were tremendous. I mean, I'm stunned. Khalil Mack was a total non-factor against the pass. He was good against the run. But this is just something that I completely underestimated was the Eagles' offensive line. They've been dominant of late. And that's one of the problems, folks, when we look at the DVOA numbers because they're full season. And... This Eagles offensive line has not been healthy for the full season. 20th uh, against the run, or as a, as a run-blocking unit, according to Football Outsiders DVOA this year. But and, yeah. they were injured. They, and, and that's something, you know, I don't know how we're supposed to calculate that. That's just something we're, I guess we missed. But late in the season, uh, they totally shut down Aaron Donald, J.J. Watt, and now Khalil Mack. And uh, I did see the next-gen stats, Nick Foles, had the quickest release of any game this season on his passes. So they were ready for the Bears. They couldn't get to them. The Bears secondary, did Eddie Jackson play much? I know he was active, but he didn't show up much in the box score. 
I don't see him making one tackle. He's a playmaker back there. You can't pin it all on that. But I thought the Eagles offensive line won this game. Listen, it's not sexy, but I said it last week, and I will say it time in and time out. The offensive line is where you get the bulk of your success in the NFL, especially in these very close, very competitive postseason matchups. To that point, six of the eight remaining playoff teams, as we record this on Monday, are in the top eight run-blocking offensive lines Mm. in the NFL this year by DVOA. And that doesn't include the Eagles, who, as we just mentioned, were 20th because of the, the injuries they faced over the course of the season. And then when you look even deeper... The top four of those run-blocking offensive lines, the Rams, the Saints, the Patriots, and the Colts, they're also all top six in pass protection. Hmm. It's Again, it's not sexy and it's very basic, but if you can control the line of scrimmage, especially in an NFL where you're seeing so many quick passes, where you're seeing yeah. these screen passes to wide receivers that are technically pass plays, but the offensive line is blocking like they're run blocking. They're taking, you know, they're getting downfield as quickly as possible, fudging the rule a little bit, knowing that the quarterback's going to get the ball out. If you have a dominant run blocking offensive line, it's one of the most valuable things you can have in the NFL. Trenches, baby, and the Eagles dominated. A quick word on the Bears' defense, okay? I can't kill uh, Nagy, the coach. Very conservative first half, right? Almost, I don't want to lose the game. Uh, and he did, apparently, Trubisky had a hamstring issue. We talked on the podcast, and I talked about it all week on FS1. Trubisky, dangerous running the football, right? 6.2 yards per carry, fifth among quarterbacks running the football, He had three carries for nine yards, and that dimension was missing. Now, his passing was good, even though some of it was off his back foot and the the form didn't look great. He delivered. He put him in position to win the Cody Parkey miss. I do wonder how much that early injury limited Trubisky, and maybe not even through him. I do wonder if maybe there was a chance that when they saw that injury, the coaching staff adjusted and they they took the ball out of his hands in the sense that they designed fewer plays that would get him out in space. That's complete speculation on my part, but I just wonder because the game plan didn't make a lot of sense to me. And uh, to piggyback on in space, Tariq Cohen, a master. Dude is so fun to watch. Swiss Army knife, one carry for zero yards and five targets, three catches, 27 yards. They shut him down. Now, Allen Robinson had a big game. Probably his breakout game. If I'm looking at the Bears in the offseason, I need another playmaker on that team. I just feel like they didn't, when when it mattered. Robinson, yeah, he delivered. But, I mean, uh, the tight end, um, Trey Burton, was inactive yesterday. They obviously missed him. Just all around disappointment from Chicago. Let's quickly, while we're on the Eagles, look to their next game, Lynch. Uh, They will travel back to New Orleans to face a Saints team they lost to what was it, 48-7, to 45-7 earlier in the season? Now, that was with Carson Wentz, okay? Early read on this has looked like some money has come in on the Eagles. It was opened at 9.5, down to 9. Any initial thoughts on Eagles, Rams? Um, not, not looking for a pick, just thoughts on the game. You know, the revenge factor, if you will. Foles versus when Saints time off. This is a really tough one to handicap because there's so many variables. There's that Eagles offensive line improvement. There's the fact that Nick Foles is playing quarterback for the Eagles now. There's the fact that I'm I'm battling a recency bias here with the Eagles where I've seen Major. them play so well for the past few weeks. And then, I've got, of course, this past weekend. To me, the question is, can Philly's defense slow down New Orleans offense? I think... 
I'm pretty sure that Saints offense is going to chew up yardage. Yeah. But are they going to score touchdowns or are they going to score field goals? Uh, if the if the Eagles defense can bend but not break and limit them to field goals, I think Nick Foles can keep up and cover this pretty big spread. But if New Orleans is going to bust through for touchdowns, I just don't see a world where the Eagles can keep up. So it did open nine and a half in the desert. I'm seeing eight now. At the Westgate, eight. Now, if there's a seven, I will definitely be on the Saints. I would agree. But I don't know that we'll see that. Um, I would also agree. You know, remember, this is a Saints defense that got shredded by uh, the the kid uh, who was on the practice squad of the Panthers, Kyle Allen. Got shredded in Week 17 at home. You don't want to read too much into that, but... um, Boy, that is a fascinating game. That will be Sunday, the late game, Eagles at Saints. All right, let's go and recap now. A, a pretty good game. Uh, Chargers-Ravens. I totally misread this one, Lynch. Um, I think you had the right side here, right? Yeah, I mean, this this one played out about how I, I, I can't imagine that I couldn't have imagined that Lamar would fumble the ball as often as he did in this game, but it pretty much played out how I envisioned. I thought that the Chargers, like producer Conrad said, they were, you know, the first team to be able to prep for Lamar Jackson twice, and it really, really showed. Yeah, he nailed that. I do think that the stat of the weekend that I saw was the Ravens ran 59 snaps on Sunday. For 57 of the 59, they had seven defensive backs on the field. They essentially took their linebackers out of the game and went with safeties as linebackers. And Lynch, the most they had done that this season in a game was 18 snaps. They did it for 57. I love it. I love it. so smart. And uh, Anthony Lynn, I've beat him up a lot. Oh, this guy's not a great coach. They always fall behind in the first quarter. Anthony Lynn was probably the biggest coaching win of the weekend, right? I thought that move was genius. This is a Chargers team. I mean, they sacked Lamar Jackson seven times. I've, uh, again, I've got my 15 to 1, you yeah. know, future on the the Chargers to win the Super Bowl. I love this team. Little bit concerned, you know, going into New England this weekend, weather could be a factor, but I mean, this again, the Chargers played the game that I expected them to. Sweated it a little bit toward the end when they bit. start, you know, you start to play that prevent defense, yeah. you're not as aggressive. You're going to let a team back into a game, but Charger, a Chargers W felt like the right side the whole way, and glad to get that result. So it's the first game Sunday, right? And of the first eight snaps, the Ravens fumbled the ball three times. At that point, were you like, oh, it's going to be one of those days? They looked a little rattled right out of the gate. Maybe what they were seeing from the Chargers with these safeties now as linebackers, whoa, these holes are closing a lot quicker. And there was an amazing story. Lynch, you don't know about I don't think you know about this. Me and Conrad heard it before the podcast. On The Athletic about Ronnie Stanley, the left tackle who got abused by Melvin Ingram. Ingram was a monster. He was apparently tipping plays on accident. According to The Athletic, when Ronnie Stanley's feet were even, it was a run play. The Chargers had seen that on film. When his left foot was set back, they passed almost 100% of the time. Now, that's on the uh, the Baltimore Ravens for not changing up anything. Harbaugh and that staff, they got clown-suited by Anthony Lynn. Badly. I, I absolutely love that. The only thing I love more than that is when someone goes third-level thinking and knows that's their tendency and then starts using that tendency against you. That That's when you really get into the chess of the football game. And if but, you, I haven't gone back to watch it, but Melvin Ingram was in the backfield almost every down. So he knew from Ronnie Stanley's footwork, this is what they're doing. Whether it was a run inside, like that's I mean it's essentially like the Ravens were like hey that worked three weeks ago let's just run it back and I mean 
Again, to producer Conrad's point, those are the nuances that you notice when you get to prepare for a team again. This is all or nothing. Win or go home. So you focus on all of those little details and you find every possible edge that you can. Love it. Love this Chargers team. Can't say enough about it. By the way, Lamar Jackson, uh, 50 minutes into the game, they had three first downs. Are you surprised no Joe Flacco appearance yesterday? I'm not surprised, but I do have kind of a hot take. I feel like the internet and Twitter in particular was pillaring the idea that of even considering bringing Flacco back. And I get it. Like, I understand you don't want to, you know, you don't want to hurt Lamar Jackson's uh, confidence moving forward. He's your quarterback of the future. I don't know that bringing Flacco in would have been the right move. It might have been. But I think there's, a, like, the Ravens could have made that quarterback change and not not diminish Lamar Jackson. It's called coaching. It's called speaking to him like he's an adult and saying, listen, you are a rookie. You had an outstanding season. You are the future of this franchise. You are going to lead us to multiple Super Bowls. Right now, with the way this defense is playing, because they know you are going to run the ball, we feel like for the second half, we need to bring in a different dimension with Joe Flacco. That is nothing against you. It is just the way this specific game is playing out. You, again, are the quarterback of the future here. That might not work. Lamar still might sulk. But I do genuinely believe there was a smart way to make that quarterback decision. And I feel like more and more in 2019, we get away from that nuance. I do believe that the Ravens, had they wanted to, could have thread that needle. I'm with you a thousand percent. And for a Chargers team that clearly prepared for Lamar Jackson, when you're boxing or playing chess or whatever, you've got to counter moves that, you know, they make. Your opponent does something. You need to be ready to counter. I didn't see the Ravens ever counter. Uh, all right, let's move on next, Lynch, to uh, the Chargers' next opponent, the New England Patriots. The Chargers will go into New England. You said weather could be a factor. I have weather. the Weather Channel called up right now. Saturday, snow showers, 32 high. Sunday, when the game is, snow showers in the morning, 34 high. Any early thoughts on the L.A. Chargers, who, by the way, have not lost a game since leaving L.A. They lost to the Rams. I was at that game earlier this year. When they leave L.A., they get on a plane, they go out of town. They have not lost this year. Any early thoughts on the Chargers in the snow? This is one. The snow might make me change my mind. But as we sit here on Monday, I'm rolling with the Chargers. This is this is a bet that I've already actually locked in. What did you? Uh, what number did you get? I got them at, at four and a half, okay. plus four and a half. Yep. I, it, a little bit about the number there being outside of the key number of three. I think this is going to be a close game. But again, I just think the Chargers are the better team. They're better on offense. They're better on defense. They're better in total DVOA. And the Chargers' defense is stout against both the run and the pass. Top 10 against both. Barely. They're number 10 against both. And I think to limit the Patriots and to go into Gillette Stadium and beat the Patriots in the playoffs, you're going to have to have that defensive balance. Everyone talks about offensive balance. I think defensive balance, especially against a quarterback like Tom Brady, is as essential, if not more important. Total agreement. I as well. I only made one. Well, I made two bets. One was uh, Chargers plus four and a half. I had to grab it. It's down to four. Uh, we'll get deeper to the matchups Thursday, but the one guy who had an awesome game, Desmond King, okay? He was a star in college at Iowa. Somehow falls to the fourth round. He is an amazing slot corner. And pro football focus, which we like. I don't 
I'm not enamored with all their rankings. I was real quick while we're here. I like football outsiders for a holistic yes. picture. I like pro football focus for specific evaluations. It, it, we've said it. We've said it. At, perfect. Um, so Stephon Gilmore is the number one rated cornerback per Pro Football Focus. Uh, in the NFL. He will probably be matched up with Keenan Allen. The number two cornerback is Desmond King, the slot corner of the Chargers. He's going to be matched up against probably Julian Edelman. So if you're looking at Edelman being taken away by King, Derwin James probably versus Gronk, no Josh Gordon, we know. Where's the advantage on the outside? I do have a, I have a Chargers uh, futures ticket I got in Vegas in August. Uh, I'll need to dig it out from under all the lost tickets. Uh, so we'll definitely get deep into that one on Thursday. All right, next up, let's go to the Saturday games, Lynch. Uh, fun Saturday night. Definitely for me. I don't know about for you. Great for Fox. A lot of betters. Oof, they hated the Janikowski injury. Cowboys prevail. A 24-22. to 22, Uh they were up by ten, you know, late in the game. This, there was, this was never really in doubt. Um, you say that I had Seattle plus two and a half. This was perfect what for a me. Win. Yeah, that is huge. Yeah. Now I gave out Cowboys two and a half on this podcast last week. That's a bad loss. It stinks. Listen, I don't want to get too much into Janikowski trying a fifty-two yard field goal right uh, at the end of the half. And producer Conrad noted that he kind of got dinged up in their finale against Arizona. Did. Pete Carroll kind of screw up Lynch, maybe not having an, a backup plan. You got an old kicker. You're trying a long field goal. He had just got dinged up. Should would, they have had a backup? I think Pete Carroll and that Seahawks coaching staff screwed up in a lot of ways in this game. Uh, I Well, go, go. Let's call them out. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, listen, the, the, the offensive play calling, first and foremost. You just you, – I understand that you are a team that runs the football, but when you are running the football into that Cowboys front seven over and over and over again – at least make more use of play action. Like, at least take a couple of shots with a Cowboys secondary that is very good but can be undisciplined at times and can be caught staring into the backfield. The backup kicker call, I'm not going to... Yeah, I'm not going to pillory anyone for that. The second time I've used that word, that'll be the last time. Uh, I'm not going to. I'm not going to criticize anyone for that. That's just. It's one of those things where I think the the decision there was playing for that field goal. That if you know that your kicker's a little dinged up, you probably call a different you know call a few different plays there um never in my wildest imagination did i think jason garrett was going to out coach someone in the playoffs <laughs> but that's what happened I, I i can't disagree with anything you said uh lynch we i thought we did a good job previewing this game last week we pretty much said zeke is gonna eat seattle's run defense not as good as advertised and we beat him up in this on this podcast earlier but brian schottenheimer you were a little kind he was a disaster in the second half, Seattle only threw the ball once on first down. I mean, you run 24 times for 73 yards, and you pass 27 times. Like, that didn't make any sense. Carson had 13 carries for 20 yards. Penny had a couple good runs. I believe there were six drives where Seattle, whatever they ran on first down, be it run or pass, they went the other way on second down on six straight drives. So it was predictable. very predictable. And you're going against Chris Richard, the defensive coordinator who was in Seattle. He knows your personnel. Uh, I do want to add a couple notes on the Cowboys. So Tavon Austin, punt return for touchdown, called back, then had a 51-yarder later. I think that's huge for them because uh, – Listen, he's going to be playing, and we'll get to the game shortly, the Rams. Okay, We know that's a revenge game for Tavon Austin. We know Rams special teams were a nightmare in the playoffs last year. 
Tavon Austin's been a guy who was drafted a little too high, has flamed out everywhere he's been. I was happy to see Tavon Austin had a really nice game. While we're here, shout out to Alan Hearns. Um, oh, just, goodness. You know, recover as quickly Oof. as you can. We're, we're thinking about you, that man. Was that, that was brutal. Ah. All right, let's move on. Dallas, Dallas at the Rams, Saturday night. I'll be celebrating my birthday watching this game. How hot is the ticket going to be? I had a Rams season ticket holder texting me. Um, yeah, I know we shouldn't be selling our seats, but I can make some money here. And like, dude, you're going to make some. I, I told him, I was, he's like, I could probably get 500 for each. He's like 20 rows up. Um, I was like, dude, just hold off. By Thursday, you could be getting like $800 a ticket. Like Cowboys fans are everywhere. You know, the bandwagon is and full. And then you put that on a four underdog money line parlay for the weekend. No, don't do that. Well, well in all seriousness, though, um, that stadium's probably going to be 60-40 Cowboys. Maybe more. So there isn't going to be a home field advantage for the Rams. It's going to be lit. I know Lynch loves when I use lit. Just a couple quick notes. So Amari Cooper had a big game. Great game against Seattle. Did you? I look closely. His splits on the road doesn't have a game over seventy-five yards. All his big games were in Dallas. Um, that's something to watch. He's going to be going against Talib, who uh, is much better than Marcus Peters. Now we know Rams have struggled defending tight ends at times this year, right? Uh, early in the season, Jared Cook had a big game. They've struggled a bit against the tight ends. Thirty-first allowing eight passes per game to tight ends, 29th defending in receiving yards. Dallas doesn't have a great tight end. Uh, Jeff Swain, zero targets. Isn't he the guy in week 17 who killed the Giants? And then you come out with zero targets? I was a little surprised. Blake Jarwin had three. So there's not an advantage there. Lynch, my initial thought was, I think I would look at the Cowboys. I'm seeing currently seven. Are we gonna are we gonna see it go under seven with public Dallas money? It might tick down to six and a half, but I really think this is gonna stay right at seven yeah. for most of the week. And that I feel pretty confident about the AFC games. I like both dogs there. I like the Chargers to win outright. I think the Colts are gonna cover. We'll talk- oh, whoa, whoa, no, 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 tease the Colts. Eh, yeah, I think the Colts are gonna cover. <laughs> anyway, I uh, the, the NFC games and this one in particular, far less confident on. I. I would lean Cowboys here early Ooh. just because of the number. And again, I Jared Goff against that Cowboys front defensive front seven, he might be in for a world of yeah, hurt. Well, but, uh, you know, this is one I'm going to really have to dig down into yeah. before we make our picks on Thursday. Yeah. Uh, we're going to wait for Thursday to make the official pick. But as we saw, Jared Goff struggles mightily against pressure up the middle. We saw uh, what happened with him in Chicago. Um Dallas has a pretty darn good front four. Demarcus Lawrence is a monster. Uh, Lynch, do you want to guess where the Rams' run defense ranks among the 32 teams, according to DVOA? Conrad looked at me like he knows that this is a leading question. Rams' run defense against Zeke. Where do you think they're at? 26. Wow, very good. 28. Ah. They're 28th against the run. Okay, Seattle was, I believe, 18 or 19. Uh, Seattle was 17th, and they got shredded by Zeke. It's a scary combination. If you are going to be getting after Jared Goff, potentially having him throw up some arm punts, and you can control the clock with Zeke on the ground, like, I don't know. The Cowboys very well might win this one outright. Ooh, we saw them last uh, Rams last year at home lose to the Falcons. Now, um, shucks, I forgot to add this earlier. This is interesting. So, remember, the Bears played their guys in Week 17 to beat the Vikings because they wanted Nick Foles. Okay, You got what you wanted. And you lost. But that sets things up for Dallas 
They don't have to play the Saints now. We thought Dallas would go to New Orleans, which I think is is not a good matchup at all. The revenge factor, you know, they won already at home. Now they got to go on the road. Now they get the Rams, a team Lynch that did not close the season strong. I, I guess we're giving away a little bit to Thursday, but again, we got to check the injury reports. Again, Hearns is out. Um, I think the Cowboys had another guy ding- dinged up on the offensive line, perhaps. Again, a lot to get to before Thursday. It's also just good process. Get into your, I've said this a number of times on this podcast this year, get into your analysis early. If you see a number you like, like, like the Chargers plus four and a half, get it early. And, you know, there's, as the line moves through the course of the week, and as you get more information, you might even have a chance to make another profitable bet on that exact same game. But I, I'm a big, big fan of getting your analysis in as early as possible and then just kind of taking in new information as the week progresses. Yeah. All right, so final game of Wild Card Weekend. I, I enjoy these breakdowns. I think you guys will like this one as well. The Indianapolis Colts go into Houston. I think everybody had this. This was the, the layup of the weekend. Colts cover with, I mean, no question. It was 21 nothing. I mean, it was like, it was such a bad game that... I nearly left in the fourth quarter to go scout my son's second-grade basketball opponent next week. I'll do you one better, and I, I say, you know, watch every minute of every game. There's always information to glean. Second half of this one, I, uh, I've i got a two-TV setup. I switched old yeah. WWE pay-per-views onto the main <laughs> television and had this one on the second TV. I laughed it when you sent that text, definitely. Um, so the Colts win handily. I, I Listen, I'm not going to kill Deshaun Watson. I know he didn't have a great game. You don't have to. The Colts' defensive line did. <laughs> or you could say the Texans' offensive line did. Also true. How bad are they? Um, um, it felt like he was seeing ghosts in the pocket, right? He was sacked 62 times, as we said, and he was trying to unload quickly, a lot of stuff into the dirt, sacked him three times. Lamar Miller, a total non-factor, 18 yards on five carries. Um, I, I just, the Texans are a bit of a mess. We knew they were overvalued all season, and they have a difficult offseason ahead because, uh, Lint, where are they good? Other than DeAndre Hopkins, when Wolf Fuller gets back next year, but he's hurt every year. Defensive line, we know, listen, J.J. Watt, we'll see. Clowney, they're going to have to probably tag. The defensive backs are terrible. Yeah, that's what I was I, – I'm a big Deshaun Watson fan. I, I like do. Him. I do think yeah. he's your franchise quarterback. Obviously, you've got you know a great wide receiver in DeAndre Hopkins, and you got two very, very, very talented defensive linemen. That's about all you got in Tennessee, yeah. right? All right? That's about all you've got uh, right now yeah, in, in Houston. Houston. Now, I will add this. Deshaun Watson, in his first playoff game, took an L. Two other quarterbacks played their first playoff game this weekend, Lynch. Lamar Jackson took an L at home. Deshaun Watson, L at home. Mitch Trubisky, L at home. That's the kind of thing we need to file away. Like, I don't want to, I'm not trend guy, Lynch. But last year, underdogs wild card round 4-0. This year, underdogs wild card round 4-0. Quarterbacks, we, I think we may have mentioned it last week. If not, it was an error on my part. But first-time quarterbacks in the playoffs... Folks, they struggle. Hmm. Is there a quarterback making his first playoff start this weekend? Perhaps playing the Indianapolis Colts? Conrad, hmm. Conrad, is there one? I, I don't know. I'm trying to think here. Oh, yeah, it's Pat Mahomes. Pat Mahomes. Now, listen, yeah, you don't want He's different than those guys. I get it. He's probably going to be the MVP, blah, blah, blah. Um, blah, 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 MVP, blah, blah, you know. Chiefs have the uh, 32nd rated run defense, according to Football Outsiders. Marlon Mack had a monster game. Against the Texans. Uh, dude, this game scares me if I'm Andy Reid and the Chiefs. And 
again, they managed to kind of mask this because of the skill of Mahomes, his scrambling ability, his ability to throw a pinpoint pass from almost any arm slot, and the and the skill position players. When I mentioned earlier that six of the eight remaining playoff teams were in the top eight run-blocking offensive lines, Kansas City's not in that group. They're 16th. So a middling offensive line almost by definition. Elite, can we say they were elite run defense? I Colts? think so. So between that and Indianapolis's propensity to just keep the ball on the ground, keep Mahomes off the field, I'm not, you know, I'm not leaning towards a Colts win at this point, but I am very, very heavily leaning towards the Colts to cover. Uh, the line looks to be five and a half now. I think it opened four and a half in Vegas. Opened up four to and a half. Five and a half. Yeah, ticked up uh, to Chiefs minus six very, very briefly last night. Wow. I don't think we'll see six again now. A uh, couple notes. Again, this is just looking ahead. We mentioned they're 32nd against the run. Chiefs defending tight ends. They're just like the Rams. They're very bad at it. 31st in the NFL. What is the strength of Frank Reich and Andrew Luck? They love Eric Ebron. They go to tight ends almost as much as anybody in the league. A uh, couple trends. And again, trend, trend, trend. Ha, ha, ha. Chiefs, last seven. One and five against the spread. 1-5-1, and one, sorry, against the spread. Andy Reid in the playoffs with the Chiefs, 1-4 and four against the spread. Lost his last two home playoff games to the Titans as favorites last year. Remember that? They had a big lead, and then uh, they gagged it away to Marcus Mariota. And then two years ago, maybe it was three, favored at home against Pittsburgh and lost. So I, I don't want to hear this, oh, it's so tough to play it in Arrowhead in January. It's so going to be loud. Okay, fine. They haven't showed up the last two times they've had playoff games. Yes, I'm aware Mahomes is different. I'm, I, I'm looking at the Colts again. Injury reports matter. Um, I, I, give me your extended thoughts on the rookie, not rookie quarterback, but first-time playoff quarterbacks. I mean, it's very simple. I just, it's really hard to come in and play against these elite teams, and that to me, it's not necessarily that the postseason is different, although obviously there is more pressure. You know if you lose, you're going home. There is no next week. But to me, that's less of a factor than the fact that, again, you are going up against the very best teams in the NFL, and it is very difficult to play against the very best teams in the NFL. We saw that from Mahomes in the regular season. He played well, but the Chiefs were 0-4 in their four biggest games. I, To me, again... It's less about the playoffs being a pressure cooker or that these quarterbacks aren't ready for it. It's the fact that they're young and yeah. they're going against elite defenses and, in most cases, elite coaching staffs that know how to scheme against them. It, it also felt, Lynch, like every play was significant. You, you, I mean, one play in Bears-Eagles... That's like to get. I mean, you get a first down play and you lose three yards, second and long, and the defenses are pinning their ears back, and you're in trouble. And for a guy like Mahomes, sometimes fly by the seat of his pants. That's cool in the regular season. Hey, man, there's not that much pressure. Uh, this, there's going to be pressure in this one. Colt secondary looked sharp. Uh, all right, Lynch. So there you have it. We broke down all four wild card games. Um, not a ton of line movement. We didn't talk totals, but. Uh, Two games over 50. Chargers, Patriots probably will come down due to the snow reports. Uh, Producer Conrad had a good one. Folks, look up Melvin Gordon running in the snow at Wisconsin. I don't have the exact total. I don't know what year. Just track it. Um, 
Melvin Gordon in the snow. Now, I, I, I texted my buddy here at FS1 about his guy, Philip Rivers. He got a Philip Rivers jersey for Christmas. Uh, you know him, Sean, obviously. And uh, he, he thinks the public is a little too heavy on the Chargers early. Well, we'll see. We'll see. So there, that wraps up the NFL. Next up, college football. I think if you're a great competitor, you look forward to playing in games like this. And if you play in a championship game, you know you're going to play against a really good team. The college football season ends tonight. We got a pretty good one. Uh, Clemson, Alabama. It's <laughs> it's felt like all season these were the two best teams. Game opened two weeks ago on the look ahead at plus eight for Clemson. Then it came down to six and five. I saw a quick four and a half. There was some buyback on Bama. It's currently at five and a half as we record this Monday morning in L.A., I don't want to say there's too much negativity around this game. I'm I'm geeked for the game itself, but it's not like all day people are going to be talking, oh, I can't wait for the game and the matchups. And I don't know. Uh, Lynch, I, I know you're more NFL than college, but obviously you're going to watch the game and have a lot of interest. Do you have any lean anyway here? Yeah, I, uh, I actually am rooting for and am leaning pretty squarely toward Alabama. Yeah. I like dominance. I like <laughs> dynasties. I like excellence. I don't think I like Nick Saban as a person, but man, do I love him as a football coach. I, 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 I make no apologies for that either. I, I love the Patriots when they went, you know, 16 and 0 in the regular season. That's just, it's great to watch excellence. So I'm leaning towards Alabama and money. I'm going to let you guys perhaps talk me out of this, but my early lean is a Bama cover plus over parlay. I think this is a high score. Bama and the over. Okay. I think it's a high that scoring Bama. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Like I said, I'm the squarest college football better on the planet. It's a square it's sport, though. I mean, in all seriousness, like at times it's felt, I mean, Alabama, remember they were a first half cover machine. It was like seven or eight games in a row here we gave out on the podcast. So you like Alabama. What's your interest level in the game? Watching every single play? Uh... It will be on the primary TV and Monday Night Raw will be on the secondary TV. So pretty interesting. <laughs> wrestling. I know you guys can't wait for his wrestling uh, information once football season's over. Now, I know producer Conrad, he's locked and loaded heavily here for the game. Uh, Conrad, I'll toss you my best bet. It's not a side because um, I'm rooting kind of Clemson on the money line, but I, I'm like Lynch. I think Alabama covers. I love the first half under. Uh, 30 and a half. I made it my biggest college football play of the season. I'm a little nervous about it now. Uh, I, I need to check the weather, but I believe it rained yesterday in Santa Clara. This track will be slow. I, I gave it out on um, Lock It In last week, and Todd Furman gave some numbers about the Michigan State uh I forget who they played in their bowl game. Oregon. Oregon. And apparently the game was just a muddy field. How could slow. you forget that? There was no touchdown. I didn't watch that garbage. Come on, man. It was like a 7-6 game or 9-6, whatever it was. Um, but I, I like the first half under. And the reason is if you go back to their first two championship game meetings, there was a feeling out process and it was a slow start for both. And then in the fourth quarter, remember in the first meeting they played, where Bama held on, beating Deshaun Watson. There were 40 points scored in the fourth quarter. In the second meeting, Clemson had that amazing rally. I throw out last year's game because Kelly Bryant was in over his head in the semifinals. Uh, but again, Saban had a month to prepare for last year's semifinal. Now it's just a week. I think Alabama starts slow. Of course, we love the Clemson defensive line. I think ultimately Alabama pulls away and wins. Uh, I'll give one note before Conrad gives out all his great wagers. The last true freshman... 
to win a national title. Jamil Holloway, Lynch, does the name ring a bell? Nope. And Oklahoma running the option. Go look up that Orange Bowl on YouTube. I mean, it's just awesome 1980s football. Holloway was great. I love Trevor Lawrence. I think he's the number one pick when he comes out. But against an Alabama defense with probably three first-round picks this year, I think it's a tall order. If he wins this game, holy cow. Um, so that's my – I love the first half under. I got it 30 and a half. Conrad, take it away. Yeah, you know what? I think it is going to be a feeling-out process, definitely. I mean, there's so much talent going back and forth. And honestly, these two teams rank at the top when it comes to rush defense. You know they're both going to try to run the ball a lot. I can't imagine Dabo Sweeney is going to go into this game with a true freshman quarterback. Easily his toughest test, other than going to Texas A&M earlier in the year. And uh, I just doubt he's going to go with a freshman quarterback and is going to let him just rip it off the start of the game. I think it's going to be a running attack to go along with it. Alabama has two potential first-round draft pick running backs. They're going to try to work that in early. At the end of the day, I do love the over. But I think at the beginning, it's going to be yeah. a game where— So, here's what I don't get. Uh, ETN did not look great against Notre Dame. Okay, he did nothing—I think it was 13 carries for 47 yards. Then he peels off that 62-yard touchdown. But other than that, it was like he had nowhere to go. I could argue Alabama's defensive line's better, right, than Notre Dame's. So, I don't see where the running is. So, Lawrence is going to— Whoa, Lawrence is going to have to grip it and rip it, and I I don't know if I feel good about my freshman throwing it against Deontay Thompson in that secondary. Yeah, ETN, that's been his game all year, though, you know? I mean, if you look at the box scores, you'll see that he had a ton of touchdowns, and he had a ton of long break plays. Yeah. That, that, that's been his, his game. I mean, he'll have like three, four, seven, and then he'll break off a 60. And then the box score will look beautiful at the end of the day. <laughs> With this game, I mean, if you just look at the amount of talent, this is why I get so excited to watch these games, is because as of right now, over the next two draft classes, Alabama has nine players graded in the first round. <laughs> and most of them are top five, top ten picks. Oh, I mean, in this year alone, it's I mean— just It's just unfair. It's like they're so stacked. It really is. I mean, including—and this game is something that you will probably not see again for a while is in back-to-back years, you could have the number one overall pick playing quarterback for each side. Trevor Lawrence is probably the highest-graded quarterback I've seen since Andrew Luck, where you look at him and go— this kid's going to be the number one pick no matter what year he comes out. Yeah. I mean, he's going to be he's a, a true freshman. Exactly. But he's going to have the Andrew Luck uh, time, too, where he can pick and choose. If, say, a team that he doesn't like is the number one pick, he can go, you know what? Maybe I'm going to stay another year under Dabo mm-hmm. Sweeney and then come out. Interesting. I mean, like, that's exactly what Luck did. And same with Tua. I expect Tua to be a top five pick next year. I know I came out and said I'm not on the Tua hype train. The kid is a stud. Okay, well, let, let me ask you, though. Uh, Tua did struggle against Georgia in that SEC championship game. Really ugly early. Um, and that Georgia defense does some of the similar things uh, that I think we'll see from Clemson's front four. So this could be a game where Tua, you know, this ain't the Oklahoma defense, which is a joke. And that's exactly why I think that with Tua having gone against that Georgia team gives him a better mm. insight. Because Trevor Lawrence has not seen a defense like this all year. And it's not even close. And, I mean, Notre Dame has a decent defense, but nowhere near the Alabama defensive line or even a Georgia defensive line when they're playing all their players. I know they just got beat by Texas, but that was without having a lot of their starters in the game. Toss that one out the window. Hey, let me ask you one last thing here. Clemson's secondary gave up over 400 yards passing to South Carolina and Texas A&M. If they're not getting to Tua, he's going bananas. I I don't know what the props are, but the Tua over yards, uh, I think he's going to have a big game. Yeah, I, I do too. You know, I, that's why I like the over in this game as well. I think that. Oh, by the way, the totals come down. Looks like sixty to fifty-seven and a half. Yeah, that's. I had a fifty-eight this morning. Okay. That's that's where I bet it at. And uh, in this situation, my play today is I'm taking Clemson on the money line. It's at plus one ninety right now. I think Clemson covers this game. 
My best value here, though, is the money line because I think Clemson is going to pull this out. Clemson money line, that, that's your best bet. Okay. Any props you want to give out? Uh, the kid, um, the wide receiver, uh, Judy from Alabama. Man, that guy is friggin' nasty. He is a top 10 pick. I mean, you know, he's, he's going to he be a top 10 pick. He looks better than Amari Cooper did. Oh, he's, I mean, this guy's phenomenal. He's literally a Julio Jones clone, and that's hard to say because Julio Jones is such a stud. But this kid, I mean, he they just keep churning these kids out like crazy. And uh, like I said, mention it again, Alabama has nine players graded in the first round pick over the next two years. That's, that's unbelievable. And you're not going to find that much talent again in another national championship game. Yeah, well, except next year when these two teams <laughs> meet again. All right, Conrad, there, there you have have it uh clemson alabama we gave out our best bets andrew lynch do you have any parting words as we head into the final what uh the final like seven games eight games of the football nfl and college football um gamble responsibly and the nfl has officially changed cody parkey's missed field goal to a block by the eagles trayvon oh so answered that question i wonder if they're doing that because he's getting all these dopes venmoing him money to thank did you see that no i'm actually a bit i i actually kind of love that really quickly if you're like when fans when fans if eagles fans were donating money to to cody parkey's charity like to thank him for advancing helping Philadelphia advance. I actually really, really like that. I think that is a fun way for a fan to kind of rib an athlete for coming up short, but at the same time do some good. So if you ask me, that is the okay. best possible way mm. to trash talk. Find an athlete, <laughs> find an athlete who's who's you know maybe failure helped your team advance and donate money to their charity. Wow, Lynch, that's actually smart stuff. I like it. Actually smart stuff. As usual, smart stuff from Andrew Lynch. For him, Andrew Lynch, I am Jason McIntyre. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening to Coming Up Winners. Remember, we're back on Thursday with Divisional Weekend Picks, and I can promise you I will not go 1-3 and three like I did Wild Card Weekend.